Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello to everybody whenever you are listening to this. And that needs to be followed by an apology because this was one of those columns which was written without time to record it prior to the event taking place that the column was written about. I thought that something special was going to happen because Liverpool, Real Madrid at Anfield needs to be special. Two clubs so dedicated to one trophy, irrespective of all the other things that they've done that are glorious in the joint histories of the two magical clubs, really, when it comes to a midweek night and it's the European Cup, then chemistry does something remarkable almost every time. It's not as if there haven't been dull Romaded Liverpool games across the history, because if you watch the 1981 European Cup final in Paris, then you'll be able to recognise that it was played on a pitch which was still rutted and... and you know, had been dug up by by rugby. It wasn't a great pitch for football. Neither side particularly wanted to play. There's, in our series of podcasts, um, podcast interviews, there's a really nice passage with Graham Soonis about that night, about the horrors of the pitch, about getting kicked in midfield, about him and I think Phil Thompson being told to wait behind for the drugs test and being abandoned by <laughs> the club being left behind. Um... It was uh, a night when Bob Paisley was in charge and the team bus had to leave when it or was told to leave when the team bus was told to leave, irrespective of these two having been central in, in, in lifting the European Cup again for Liverpool. And Sunis and Thompson, I'm certain it was, had to find their way home via thumbing a lift with, with the local cops, who initially, I think, wanted to nick them, thinking that they were two drunken British fans. Anyway... That game didn't live up to the standards of the various three and four goal games that have been between these sides subsequently. And who caught my attention prior to the match that was played on Tuesday night, ending in an historic victory, because nobody in the history of the competition has been 2-0 down and come back to win by three goals. Nobody has won that heavily at at Liverpool, it's the first time since Johan Cruyff did it in 1966 that a man as young as Vinicius has scored two away goals in the Champions League or European Cup at Anfield. The list goes on and on. But in anticipation of the match, 
And remember, we're only halfway through the tie. My my thoughts fell upon Carlo Ancelotti, partly because it was, to my mind, it was looking like a test of somebody who needed to understand his rival very well because Carlo Ancelotti was is at maximum in terms of understanding his own troops, motivating his own troops. He's somebody who has consistently been involved in very special European Cup moments. He knows the the way that this competition throws you curveballs or allows you to throw curveballs. He'd been somebody with a gigantic serpentine-long relationship with Liverpool, something I'll go and describe in a minute, including having been the first manager in charge of Everton to win a Merseyside derby for 10 years, the first Everton manager to win a Merseyside derby at Anfield since 1999. So when... The draw threw up Liverpool-Real Madrid following the the genuine horrors of the complete mishandling of what should have been a joyous occasion um, at Stade de France uh, last May when people's well-being was risked by others in suits who, who simply neither did their job in terms of planning, in terms of making provisions, in terms of how they reacted, but but most tellingly, in terms of not really, in my opinion, caring that these were peoples. This wasn't event an event that was being staged, the European Cup final last season. This was a final to which tens of thousands of good-natured, passionate people who sustain football were coming to. And therefore... The horrors that took place in the Stade de France, to me, were a stain on football and a sneer at football fans. Therefore, now, with the report out and the culpability absolutely clearly demonstrated, for these two sides to to come together again, I hoped so strongly that it would become a a, a magical football night so that we could reset and, and reorder our minds about when Liverpool and, and Real Madrid meet, we end up talking about the football once again. That was my hope. So, for ESPNFC, I wrote this column, which I'm about to read to you. What I didn't fully anticipate coming was a Real Madrid performance where they felt that they had no limits, where they went onto the ropes, took a couple of bows to the chin, <laughs> stood back up and went, yeah, you got nothing. It's it's one of the reasons that I so fervently defend the Champions League against the old format of the European Cup. I defend the Champions League against the, the current nonsense of the European Super League. Is that we consistently get provided with games which take your breath away. We consistently see things which, in our imaginations, prior to them happening, we think are very nearly impossible. You pick your match. But if I was just to pick a a fistful in last night's match, the 1999 treble conclusion at Camp Nou between Manchester United and Bayern Munich, Istanbul between Liverpool and AC Milan, Deportivo La Coruña against AC Milan up at the Riathor, the... 
extraordinary quality of Wembley in 2011 between Barcelona and Manchester United. Anfield, in which I think was 2019, when Valverde's side was thrashed 4-0 and Barcelona out of the tournament, um, having been significantly 3-0 up at the break in the tie. This competition gives us the most extraordinary nights and that's why I defend it so so powerfully. Did I see this scoreline coming? I absolutely did not. Maybe at the end of the column, it's worth a little thought about what happened at Anfield. But for now, I thought that Ancelotti and his obsession with Liverpool and his understanding of Liverpool could be a key factor. I didn't in any way anticipate how true that might be. This is what I wrote. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. For a man who never played against them and didn't coach a team against them, until he was 15 years into his managerial career. It might seem strange how absolutely obsessed Carlo Ancelotti once was with Liverpool FC. When Real Madrid's Italian manager takes his Spanish, European and world champions to Anfield on Tuesday, he can either reflect fondly on that first visit to the home of the Cop, which was a 2-0 win in charge of Chelsea in 2010, or on Vinicius's winner, in last season's Champions League final against Jurgen Klopp's team. What Ancelotti won't spend time recalling, but you may not know about, is him and his AC Milan squad chanting the Anfield anthem You'll Never Walk Alone to the television while willing and praying Liverpool to win a Champions League semi-final. They chanted as fervently as any Red Scouser that night. There's an explanation, obviously. Real Madrid's manager missed his only opportunity to play against Liverpool thanks to a knee injury when his then-team Roma played them in the 1984 European Cup final. That night in Rome's Olympic Stadium, Liverpool keeper Bruce Grobelar produced his infamous spaghetti legs antics until Ancelotti's teammates missed sufficient penalties in the shootout for the Reds to lift the cup. Ancelotti later described the Liverpool keeper as the hysterical dancer. 21 years later, Ancelotti's AC Milan had played what he called perfect football to lead Liverpool 3-0 at halftime at the 2005 Champions League final in Istanbul, only to kiss the league goodbye within six mad minutes and then watch Jersey Dudek produce Grobler-style antics during another penalty shootout until Liverpool again lifted the trophy that this Italian coach craved so much. In his book, Preferisco la Coppa, which at face value means I prefer the cup, but it's also a reference to Italian ham, Ancelotti wrote, 
Six minutes of blackout. The impossible that became possible. Our worst nightmare. I didn't believe it. I was paralysed and I didn't have time to react. In 360 seconds, Liverpool had reversed the final by 360 degrees. The light had gone out and there hadn't even been time to change the bulb. Imagine the trauma. All of which explains the way that a rematch with Liverpool, meaning that the Reds had to excel and reach the Champions League final again in 2007, became an outright obsession for this normally ultra-laid-back Italian. In that autobiography, he writes, At that time, in 2007, I was coaching two teams. Officially, Milan, but with my heart, Liverpool. I supported us and them. By now, it was an obsession. I thought about it perpetually. One eye on Milan and another on Liverpool. It all came to a head when Rafa Benitez's Reds reached the 2007 semi-final against Chelsea, Milan beating Manchester United to be sure they, at least, were in a position for a revenge scenario. Ancelotti recalls, Our training centre practically no longer existed, replaced by the goal end of a stadium. The legendary Cop of Anfield was now in Varese, near Milan, the absolute heart of the Rossoneri Empire. Thirty maniacs we were, in front of the television as Liverpool played their semi-final second leg, while we all chanted, Liverpool, you'll never walk alone, and cursed Chelsea to hell. There was no beer and burping, but there was everything else, and it went as we prayed it would. Liverpool reached the final, at which point we looked at each other and all thought the same thing. We've already won. So listen, just, just stop for a second, will you? And picture that scene. Dida, Nesta, Sedorf, Insagi, Cafu and Ancelotti, all victims of Liverpool's Istanbul miracle, now roaring and celebrating in front of the TV as Daniel Agger's goal levelled the tie and the cop witnessed yet another penalty shootout win. Eventually, Ancelotti and Milan would get their revenge a few weeks later in the Athens final. But our man's obsession didn't stop there. No, no. After Ancelotti left Madrid the first time in 2015, he took a sabbatical to help cure a neck problem which was bothering him. But when an opportunity came up at Anfield, he was in the running. He writes, I knew there would be pressure at different stages of my sabbatical for me to start at a new club. I was linked with Liverpool, a great honour, and I was definitely interested, but not disappointed when I wasn't appointed. In fact, when Carletto moved to Merseyside in 2019, it was as manager of struggling Everton. Ancelotti duly became the first Everton manager in 10 years to defeat Liverpool and the first to lead the Blues to a win at Anfield since 1999. But the climax of his Champions League adventures against Liverpool, starting, remember, when watching helplessly, miserably in Rome 39 years ago, the climax came last May in Paris. Thibaut Courtois by Miles Man of the Match, indicating how close Liverpool came to winning. Then, that rangy, inexhaustible power run from Valverde, the raking backpost cross, and Vinicius side-footing home the winning goal. However, no Casemiro for Los Blancos this time. 
Madrid juggling a clutch of players who are clutching at fitness, fighting back from illness, suffering from lack of game time or simply seeking form. Carvajal, a fleeting presence this season. Rudiger, error-prone. Alaba, slow and lacking sharpness. Chomeny and Kroos, victims of a nauseous flu bug these last few days. And Benzema. Still brilliant, but staying fully fit less often. He's scored in all three of their finals this season, the UEFA and Spanish Super Cups plus the World Club Championship. And in the majority of Madrid's defeats this season, he's been absent. The likelihood, however, is that the European champions dig up a characterful performance on Tuesday. It's what they do. But Ancelotti is an enormous factor in that. The ex-Chelsea captain who played for Ancelotti, John Terry, says about the Italian in the book Quiet Leadership, being able to pick a whole group of players up, to run through brick walls, to play through injuries, it's testament to Carlo. I've seen teammates play through injuries, taking injections to get them through it when they shouldn't really have been out there at all because they wanted to perform for Carlo. So back to the actual game and the state that the two teams are in. When Klopp pipped Ancelotti to the Anfield job, the Italian wasn't only pleased for his rival, he predicted success under the German, and correctly so too. But he subsequently had these perspicacious things to say about Liverpool's heavy metal football. Ancelotti then argued, if you play at high intensity like Jurgen Klopp's teams at Dortmund and now Liverpool do, data about physical performance will be very important. Here the question is not, is the system right? But rather, is it sustainable over a whole season or two or three? Will the players be able to sustain such energy output and the strain on their bodies? What Ancelotti will know inescapably is that Klopp's team is suddenly beginning to post good data again, that Klopp's team is reinforced by the return of Van Dijk, Jota and Bobby Firmino, plus the emergence of the remarkable 18-year-old Spaniard, Stefan Bicetic. The scene is set. A knockout-round revenge opportunity for Liverpool's defeats against Madrid in the Champions League finals of 1981, 2018 and 2022. Were Klopp and his players roaring and punching the air when the UEFA draw pitched them and Los Blancos together again? Perhaps not. But Ancelotti will go into this tie deeply aware of the motivational power which a lust for revenge can inspire. It temporarily made him a Liverpool fanatic after all. And there I left the column. Not so much of an intricate match preview, but more an attempt to point out Ancelotti's obsession with Liverpool left him with a deep understanding of their culture, their mentality, what the experience of an Anfield match is like, and I think left him deeply aware of what he needed to ask from his footballers. The very first clue came when the teams were announced. No Tony Cross at that stage, although he fortunately was recuperated enough to come off the bench and play in the last 10 minutes, but he'd been out for several games. No Aurelien Chomeni, meaning Camavinga at Pivote, where Ancelotti likes him, but he's two years less experienced than Chomeni, and it's a position that he's played less often. Now, both player and manager like Camavinga in the centre of midfield. In due course, you can imagine Madrid evolving into playing a 4-2-3-1 with Chomeni and, and Camavinga partnered. 
Anyway, without going down a, a little abandoned meander, when Ancelotti named his team as 4-3-3, despite Cross having been ill, not being fit for 90 minutes, and Chalmany being absent, that was a real declaration of intent. It's easy to think, as we must do when many big coaches name the team, that Ancelotti was saying, this game is all about us and what we do, not about our opponent. In this instance, that wasn't true. Ancelotti's doubt that Klopp's level of intensity was perpetually sustainable patently stayed with him. Anybody who watched Liverpool in recent months thought sitting ducks for Madrid. Anybody who watched them in the last two games thought it's made a difference that Darwin Nunez is on form, that broadly across the pitch Liverpool are more confident, that Van Dijk is back helps that Bicetic looks authoritative at 18 in the style of Pedri and Gavi, that Salah was on form, that Gakpo was scoring. All these things made a difference. But if you watch the Newcastle game, once it went to 2-0, after mistakes ruined Newcastle's possibilities and it went to 10 men because Pope was sent off, Liverpool's intensity dropped. Pre-match, although Ancelotti was in his dressing room not listening to TV, Klopp said... I wish that Newcastle had had 11 men on throughout the pitch because we did drop our intensity for the remainder of the game. It's a psychological thing that sometimes happens to teams, particularly if you're already in a commanding lead 2-0, when the other team goes down to 10 men. It's often about maintenance and thinking about Tuesday night. Klopp's point of view was that Liverpool needed 90 minutes of intensity to sharpen up. Ancelotti's point was... Even at 2-0, where neither he nor his senior players looked in the least bit concerned about going 2-0 down, partly because of pretty significant mistakes, Ancelotti gambled that Liverpool's intensity would drop. Ancelotti gambled that going three up, particularly given Vinicius's pace and Rodrigo's extraordinary work rate, married to a magical Ballon d'Or holder in Benzema, that number one, the fullbacks for Liverpool would largely be occupied, and they were. And that number two, the three-man midfield, if Vinicius and Rodrigo worked hard enough, would become a five-man midfield and would be able to cope. Over the first 15 minutes, they didn't cope particularly well. Valverde was a little far, too far to the right, Modric a little too far to the left, Camavinga was a little bit isolated, playing a little bit deep. And repeatedly, Liverpool, when they broke out of their own penalty area, instead of rampaging up the wings like they, they did in the, in the high points of Klopp's time in charge at Liverpool, with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson scaring the living daylights of the opposition and pinging balls into the middle that Salah or Nunez could profit from, Liverpool were breaking out down the middle. There was often time on the ball when Madrid bounced the ball out of their own penalty area. It was coming straight back in because it was the Liverpool players in red who were higher up and isolated and had time on the ball to either reset an attack or to shoot. After about 15 minutes, Ancelotti very clearly ordered Valverde to move much further left, to be tighter in next to Camavinga, for Modric to be the one that attacked the ball a little bit, so that that trio played much, much tighter, that Vinicius and Rodrigo had to do massive amounts of work to augment the midfield, that the two full-backs pushed a little bit higher, the middle of the pitch became much tighter, much busier, 
And the instant that Madrid gained control of the middle of the pitch, they gained control of the ball and they gained control of the match. That they would then score five unanswered goals is a bit anecdotal. There's a reason that it's the first time it's happened in Champions League history. It's the first time that Liverpool have lost that many at home. It was exceptional. What wasn't exceptional, as in not an exception to the rule, was the way in which Madrid's players and coach read the game, understood exactly what they needed to do, but then did it. A knowledge of what's going wrong and a knowledge of what to do aren't enough until you effect your knowledge. And that's what Madrid did. It was extraordinary. It was helped a little bit by Alisson's mistake. But it was helped most of all by Liverpool tiring and flailing and realising that their revival, which I think is real, is still fledgling. Madrid were ready. They'd been through infernos last season at home to Chelsea, away and for half the game at home to Paris Saint-Germain but most particularly in Manchester when City should have walloped them out of the tournament and didn't. Ancelotti post-match said, what did I think when I was 2-0 down after 15 minutes? I thought about Manchester last season and I hoped that the same could happen. And then he said the same did happen, but better, much better. Don't, unless you're a Liverpool fan out there, I'm sorry, don't you just love the Champions League? And didn't we see the reason last night, because this is Wednesday morning as I'm reading, why Real Madrid have 14 of these trophies, miles ahead of anybody else, and why Madrid think they'll be in Istanbul in June, the 10th, for another final, and maybe for a 15th trophy. We shall see. (laughs) 